It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 21st, 2020. My name is Philip Ross and I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to pretend like the playoffs are happening. And we're going to talk to you the most likely matchup for the Orlando Magic in the first round of the playoffs. Not the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm hoping to talk about them in a bit. But we're going to talk to Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors about the Toronto Raptors and what a potential Magic Raptors replay might look like. So we'll talk a little bit about the current team on today's episode of Locked On Magic. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast. I work by searching every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Toronto Raptors and what's going on with them and, and, and their history? Check out Locked On Raptors. Plus, we've got a ton of fantastic podcasts around the network doing great stuff, even though the NBA season is currently on hiatus. No matter which team you cheer for in the NBA, you can find a podcast for you. Plus, we've got great podcasts in the MLB, NHL, and college ranks as well, as well as the NFL with the NFL draft coming up this week. How could we forget? There's a little bit of sports news to look forward to this week. Again, no matter which team you're looking for, there is a podcast for you. Download them wherever you download podcasts today. The Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Uh, I'm under no impression that that we don't know who the Magic would face in the playoffs. Um, With 17 games left, it felt, you know, probably about a 55-45 shot that the Magic would would catch the Nets and, and get the seven seed. They obviously had those two, ga- two games against Brooklyn that were coming right before, or, you know, kind of coming right after the point of the season that, that ultimately got suspended. I imagine whenever the season resumes, they will get at least one game against Brooklyn and a chance to kind of solidify uh, their lead over the Nets and, and get a chance to pass them in the standings. As things stand, though, the Orlando is the eight seed in the Eastern Conference, a half game back of the Brooklyn Nets for that seven seed. But... With the Nets schedule, with the Magic schedule, certainly felt like Orlando was a good had a good opportunity to leapfrog back into the seventh seed, which would put them right back where they were last year. Um, which you know you can say is either a good thing or a bad thing. I would say it's kind of a neutral thing. 
as I've argued, a lot of the Magic's plans and, and, and determination of what they do in the offseason probably doesn't need the rest of the season. Um, if, if I'm Jeff Weltman, if I'm the Magic's front office, I've already made a lot of the conclusions that I want to make about this season and, and, and have come to understand what I need to do to get my team to the next level or, or what, what kind of deals or what kind of players I'd be willing to offer to get my team to the next level. Um, I think that that is absolutely 100%. Uh, already kind of in the book for the Orlando Magic, I, I have to say. I, I do think that that, I do think that they, I do think that they really don't have to play the rest of the season to make decisions or make conclusions about the rest, about the rest of their future, or, the, or about the next year or how they want to build and develop the team. I, I think that that is uh, pretty true. I mean, I think, I think as far as what Magic fans or what Magic fans came to expect from the season, I, I kind of feel like like everyone has kind of drawn their conclusions and, and you know, kind of the final result of the season outside of just making the playoffs is fairly irrelevant. And that, that's a kind of cynical way of looking at things, but I, I do think that that is the truth. However, if you are a team, if you are a, a team that values winning, and, and I think the Magic do value winning, and, and I would say that everyone's a little disappointed with how the season has gone, the next step is, of course, trying to get into the playoffs and trying to make the most of what you have remaining and what you have in the time remaining and the team you have. That's, that's always been my big thing. Ever since it became clear, the Magic were going to settle into that 7-8 range again like they did last year. And last year, huge success making the playoffs for the first time. Second year, you've got expectations. You're expected to take a step forward. This team didn't do it. But I've said it throughout the, throughout the season. Even though we know that this team is probably stuck in the seven or eight seed range, and you know you could call that stagnation or whatever you want to call it, the most important thing for the team is to make the most of what they have. Um, I, I I will not you know I will not be happy if the Magic don't get the seven seed. To be frank, I I think that whenever the season resumes, whenever the Magic are able to get get back into the mini train into a mini training camp, just like everyone else will, I think the Magic's goal should be clear: get the seven seed and give yourself a chance in the playoffs. Go out and play. A better playoff series. You know, if you're Nikola Vucevic, make good on what was a bad sort of playoff debut for him last year. If you're Evan Fournier, go out and play better. If you're Aaron Gordon, keep playing at this toward pace. Prove that the kind of games that you were showing that you were making really matter and matter on a big stage just like they did last year. I mean, if if playoff if the playoffs are ultimately where the team derives value and if the team has been spending its entire season gearing up for the playoffs or, or trying to play a way that would help them in the playoffs. Again, we can debate whether they have another day. Then they got to go into the playoffs and prove it. They got to prove that they've taken at least that step, that they're better prepared for the playoff atmosphere, even if they kind of skated through the regular season, which again, you know, says something, maybe says something, you know, maybe not something important, but it does say something. I I personally think that this Magic team, uh, and, and I'll, I'll express this later on in the, in the, in the show, I just think the Magic team are just... You know, had the institutional knowledge. They didn't have the urgency they needed to make the play, to to make a real big playoff push, and the rest of the East wasn't pushing them. So I think that I think that that kind of served Orlando's purpose there. So ultimately, we are looking at a series, probably you know certainly against one of the best teams in the East, a long shot series against a team like the Toronto Raptors again. Uh, last year, of course, the Raptors had Kawhi Leonard. They went on to win the NBA championship, and the rest is history. This year's Raptors team is much different, but not a whole lot different. A lot of the same cast of characters, but they are a fun bunch. They play hard. They get a different guy to step up for them seemingly every game, whether it's Norman Powell, whether it's OG Ananobi, whether it's Kyle Lowry, whether it's Marc Gasol, whether it's Serge Ibaka, whether it's Fred Van Vliet, or of course, their all-star, Pascal Siakam, kind of driving the whole ship. 
The Magic saw Toronto three times early, early, early in the season. In fact, the Magic played them three times uh, by Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, and they haven't seen them since. They were scheduled to play Toronto in Orlando on the final day of the season. Those three games went kind of how you would expect. First game, Toronto took a big lead. Orlando came back, but the Raptors hit some big shots, especially Kyle Lowry down the stretch, to eke out the win. Nikola Vucevic struggled once again going 1-12, for 12, but Jonathan Isaac had perhaps his best offensive game of the season. I, I might argue it's the Indiana game that came a little bit after that, a few weeks after that. A few weeks later, Orlando returned to Toronto and disaster kind of struck. In a blowout loss, the Magic lost Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic both to ankle injuries, setting the tone for a season that would be full of injuries. And then the day after Thanksgiving, Toronto kind of, you know, got a comfortable lead and stayed comfortable for most of that game. Uh, the Magic never, Magic had their chances to win at least two of those three games, but certainly the Raptors were the better team on those evenings, and certainly the Raptors have developed and gotten a whole lot better since those three games. Um, they, have, they have dealt with their own injuries too. They've had a lot of injuries to their team, but they have kept coming back and kept playing at a higher and higher level. A series against the Toronto Raptors would be extremely difficult for the Orlando Magic. In fact, as you'll hear in my conversation with Sean Woodley, it, I think the Raptors, especially if the Magic do not have Jonathan Isaac, is about the toughest matchup the Magic could have in the playoffs. The Milwaukee Bucks being obviously the most, the most tough, but the Toronto Raptors are not a good matchup for this Orlando Magic team, at least as constructed. If Jonathan Isaac's healthy and playing well, and you know, I think that gives them a puncher's chance. But this Magic team has always struggled to generate offense, and Toronto's defense is one of the best in the league. But this is going to be the reality the Magic will likely face when the playoffs do begin, or whenever whenever the playoffs do begin. It is likely that they will face a team like the Toronto Raptors. And seeing as we have nothing better to do as a vehicle to talk about the current team and talk about their playoff hopes, it's time for a quote-unquote playoff preview of the Toronto Raptors with our pal Sean Woodley of Lockdown Raptors. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And I'm joined now by our good friend from Locked On Raptors. It's Sean Woodley. Sean, it it's it's been a long time for for you and me and and for our teams to get together. It has been a while. I think the last time we chatted was like before the series last year, 
And I remember getting a lot of flack about DJ Augustine and, and me not believing in DJ Augustine. And then he went and hit a game winner in game one. And so I kind of got that uh, turned back around on me, I suppose, for at least one night, which was, uh, you know, I, 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 an awesome moment for, for Magic, for the Magic, for sure. And an awesome moment for DJ Augustine against his former team or one of his many former teams. It was a very bizarre night. <laughs> I, I was never really terribly concerned about the Raptors after that game, but it was the most on-brand possible thing for that to take place, even in a year where the Raptors won the title. Yeah, it it, it, it was definitely weird. It, it felt had that, that vibe of Orlando just kind of coming in and not knowing any better. Like they, they were just kind of playing on fumes and momentum and, and the Raptors maybe playing a seven seed. Not that they didn't respect the magic, but it, it, it definitely had the feel of, oh, we can just kind of show up and roll these guys. We don't have to really adjust much. And, and, and you know, obviously Kyle Lowry had a game that everyone criticized him for, and he proved to be <laughs> one of the most important factors in that finals run and in that finals victory. Um, before we kind of dive into this year's team, let's redux that a little bit. Um, what effect did that series, you know, for against the Magic have for the Raptors as they kind of started that playoff role? Obviously, there's a seven-game series coming up ahead of them, but what, what, what was kind of the emotion and the feeling coming out of that series? I think, you know, game one was a good little wake-up call, I think. After that game, the, the reporting goes that Nick Nurse, like, screamed at the team and was like, what are you guys doing? This is the Magic. Like, you guys are the two-seed your favorites here what are you doing like stop screwing around and that apparently uh got to the peak got to the guys on the team it was also weird too i think the end of that first game kind of got to one of the concerns you could have had about the raptors going into the playoffs which was chemistry right i mean nick like marcus all played like 21 games with the team hadn't been there a very long time and that last play where augustine hit that three it was marcus all and Kawhi leonard two former defensive players of the year just getting their signals crossed because they weren't really sure of how to play with each other yet and i think from then on things really coalesced and i mean by the end of it the, the raptors were this just monstrous defensive machine where they were playing different defenses on every possession to throw the other team off they were able to just sort of go with whatever marcus Gasol as the sort of quarterback of the defense felt like they should play at the time and that was not possible in that early part of that magic series it took some time to develop that and for them to kind of all get on the same page but you know, the Magic were uh, not an easy out. I mean, you know, they won in five games and I was never necessarily concerned. I don't think the Raptors were concerned, but I do think that, you know, that game three, people kind of forget the first game back in Orlando, the first playoff game there and however long, that game came right down to the wire. It required like an insane Kyle Lowry offensive rebound to kind of seal it. And after that, you know, it wasn't necessarily close from then on out, but it, they, there were a couple close moments in there for sure including game one, which again, it was just so on brand for the Raptors. And again, I don't think it was like a matter of, oh, here we go again, because it wasn't the same team. But I do think there was some element of that, at least from like media types who were like, look at these Raptor cowards losing game one like they always do. What's wrong with this team? Kyle Lowry stinks. And it did kind of bring up a lot of those old bad memories that thankfully were washed away quite quickly. Yeah, and and that game three, that first game back in Orlando, I mean, obviously the the energy in that build in the building was, was fantastic for Orlando, the first playoff game. And, and I think you're kind of right. I think, I think the magic showed their inexperience a lot throughout that series where, you know, like, yes, the Raptors maybe didn't have experience together, but they, they knew how to respond to playoff defeats. They knew how to respond to playoff challenges, whether it was just individually Kawhi knew how Lowry knew how, whereas the magic, you know, you could really see their playoff and experience. I mean, you know, Nikola Vucevic, 
just could not figure out Marc Gasol the entire series, and, and Orlando just couldn't find a way to get him open. Uh, and, and honestly, I think you could see a lot of the frustration for the Magic that just the things that would work during the regular season just didn't work in the playoffs as effectively as, as they hoped for. And, and I think Steve Clifford even said after the series was over, you know, I expected us to compete a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, granted, Toronto went on to win the championship. They, they, they were a very, very good team. And I don't think, I mean, I think, I think I, I, when we had our podcast last year, I sat here and said, Raptors in five. Like I think the yeah. Magic will get Game Three uh, just because of the emotion of being home. They're not gonna they're not gonna go out easily, but they're not a challenge yet. They're just not good enough. And and I think that series really showed showed that for Orlando that that, that this was a team that hadn't quite been through the battle yet and, and needed to kind of get hum you know not humbled but just be in that environment and stop being so wide eyed. I remember like Aaron Gordon saying. You know, game one. You know, they just kind of went in. You know, they 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 played they played their butts off, and then game two, that that's when he said you really could feel the noise of the Toronto crowd. That's when mm-hmm. you really under. That's when he really said he really understood that this is what playoff basketball is like. This is what the high intensity level of that of that of the postseason really is about. Um, and, and that's just not something they could get in game in game one necessarily. Totally. And, and in fairness to Vooch, who had a rough series, he was not the only center who got flummoxed by Marcus All in the postseason. So there's yeah. that, I guess. Joel Embiid uh, got his lunch taken quite a bit by Gasol. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, the Magic, you know, I, when I look back, I've, I've been doing sort of a, a look back on the playoff run on my podcast over the last little while here. And I do kind of like the Magic series when I'm thinking about it in the context of the playoff run, because... It was like the most chill series the Raptors played. There were no like crazy buzzer beaters. There were no injuries to deal with. There were no like specters of Kevin Durant hanging over the series. Is he going to come back? There was no, you know, down 0-2 and almost down 0-3 to the Bucks when things are like extremely high stakes. It was like a nice, fun, chill series against a quirky, weird, nice, fun team that uh, I was just like kind of happy to go back and relive because it was, uh, you know, Obviously not the closest series of all time, but there were some moments for sure. Simpler times indeed. Um, and and I, I will note, because I like to note this, uh, Kawhi Leonard had his lowest scoring average of any series in the playoffs against the Magic. So, he did. Uh, he Aaron did. Gordon gets, gets the thumbs up on me. Now, I, he was sick in game three, and that probably skews the numbers a little bit, but uh, <laughs> we don't like to talk about that. Um, obviously, the it, it's, been a, it's a long time since the championship. If... You know, we weren't dealing with a worldwide pandemic. We'd probably be sitting here discussing game two of the series between the Magic and the Raptors. And uh, obviously a lot has changed in Toronto, but it it still doesn't feel like a lot has changed in Toronto in in that they're still a very good team playing some very, at least heading into the hiatus, playing some very good basketball. What's been the difference in in Toronto kind of staying at the level that, that, that they were at not maybe not from last year, but staying at this very highly competitive level in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, I think any rumors that the Raptors were only Kawhi Leonard and nothing else have been very, very sufficiently put to rest. Like this is a really good team with really good players. Kyle Lowry has been absurd this season, and you know it's been one of his best seasons start to finish. He he's just been sort of the the engine of the team. They also just are a team that tries really freaking hard. They're constantly out there giving 110% and all the cliche things. Like they fly around on defense. They're constantly contesting shots. They're constantly diving for loose loose balls. Their offense is really, you know, they, they've kind of got it down to a science. It's a really good, you know, read and react ball movement offense. 
And it's just, it's a well-oiled machine. They're extremely well coached. Nick Nurse probably is going to be coach of the year this year. And I think it's well-deserved. He's been incredible. He's been adaptable. He's been creative and has tried different things. And, you know, he's sort of pioneered a lot of different kinds of defenses. He still runs out the box in one you saw in the finals once in a while. He'll still, you know, throw at strange zones and full court presses. I mean, there was a game earlier this season against the, the Mavericks where they were down 30 with 14 minutes and six seconds left. And they ended up coming back and winning based almost entirely on Kyle Lowry being just like ridiculously hot from the field and a full court press with just like a bunch of crazy maniacs just flying around. And, and just spooking the Mavericks, and they pulled the 30-point comeback in 14 minutes and won. And that kind of, I think, sort of epitomizes what this team is. They're just an, an insanely well-coached, very, very disciplined, and you know steady team. They don't get rattled. And I think that's the thing that is you know completely noticeable after winning the title, is everyone's playing very free. No one seems burdened. Kyle Lowry just seems like he's just giving the middle finger to everybody who thought he was never going to amount to anything because he wins the title. His entire career and legacy is validated. And he's just out there playing and having a good time and just enjoying it. And he's sort of, you know, been really, really wonderful with the younger guys on the team. He's, you know, taken guys under his wing. He seems just genuinely happy for Pascal Siakam and the growth he's made. You know, that's another thing too, is Siakam took a big leap and has kind of changed his shot profile entirely to become a number one option. And, you know, he's not Kawhi Leonard or anything like that, but he's been really, really good. And his defense is still excellent on the other end. And, and so they've just formed this really well-oiled machine of a team. Their defense was number two in the league when the league got stopped. And they they had a lot of nice wins. Their last win before the pause was against the Utah Jazz. Last game of a five-game road trip in Utah on the second night of a back-to-back. And they pulled it out despite two guys getting hurt in the first, uh, I believe, minute and a half of the game or two minutes of the game. One of them came back, but Norm Powell, the reigning player of the week that day, and still the reigning Eastern Conference player of the week a month and a half later, I guess. Shouts to Norman Powell. Uh, <laughs> like they, they lose those guys, then they <laughs> longest, longest, play. longest player of the week in NBA history. Exactly. The Raptors are about to be two time defending champions. Don't, don't tell me anything other than that. If the seasons get canceled, they're two time defending champions. But um, <laughs> the, the just that game against the Jazz again kind of was the story of this season. They just there's no quit. And they they're really well coached, and they're just it's just a really really solid team with no bad players outside of maybe Patrick McCaw, who plays a lot for some reason. He might have some sort of unsavory photos of Nick Nurse that he's hiding because he gets lots of minutes, even though it doesn't make any sense. But um, you know, other than that, there's always one of those guys. Every team has one of those guys. Totally, exactly. And you know, other than that, I mean, they've had Terrence Davis who has been one of the best rookies in the league, has been, if you go by some of the advanced metrics, either the first or second best rookie in the league, just in a lower number of minutes and a lower responsibility. But uh, they're just, it's a team that has kind of built a program and they're kind of just this metronome of success now, which as a Raptors fan who was there during some dark years, it doesn't make any sense still, but I'll take it because it's really fun to watch night to night. Yeah, and, and Toronto's had a lot of injuries, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Like they they've they've had a lot of guys who've been kind of in and out of the lineup. They've they've had to kind of rediscover. I mean, not only rediscover themselves because they lost Kawhi, but if but correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong, it, it feels like this team's dealt with a lot of guys in and out of the lineup, and, and they've still kind of kept that drumbeat. To them. Yeah, I think they've had like six or seven games this season with like their top eight guys all healthy. It's been. You know, at first it was Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry who got hurt in the same game in New Orleans like a week into the season. They missed like 11, 12 games each. And then it was Norm Powell, Pascal Siakam, and Kyle Lowry, sorry, uh, and Marcus Saul 
all got hurt in the same game in Detroit just before Christmas. They all missed almost a month. Gasol came back. He missed some time. Fred Van Vliet's out with various maladies all the time. And, and yeah, they, they, they've not really been healthy altogether at once. They've just been kind of getting it done with like nerve and creative lineups and Chris Boucher coming out of nowhere once in a while to have like a double double with some huge blocks and, and, and some nice minutes off the bench. You know, it's not been always consistent in terms of the reserve guys, but the, the guys who have been those relied, you know, trusted guys in the top eight, you know, there's, you know, Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Saul, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, uh, Serge Ibaka, if I said him already, I'm not sure. And uh, Norm Powell, well, those guys have all been so good start to finish that they really only need like four or five of those guys healthy to feel the team that can win on any night, which is great. Uh, but I, I, it was getting to the point where the injuries were less of a cute and fun story with a month left to go in the season. It was just like, oh my God, get these guys healthy, please, so we can see them together just a little bit before the playoffs. And it seemed like they were getting close to that. Marcus Saul was the only guy still out of the lineup. I think Fred actually was too that I think about it, but he was getting close as well. And, you know, getting both of those guys back would have been enormous for the stretch run. It would have been wonderful, but uh, obviously now we wait. And I guess like if anything, this prolonged break will help Marcus Saul's hamstring feel better and Fred Van Vliet's back feel better. So maybe they'll be ready to go if, if and when we do get some basketball here, but um, no, you're totally right. They were a team that overcame a lot of injuries. I think they were fourth in the league and man games lost injury. And the other teams were like the Blazers, the Warriors and the Pelicans, non-playoff teams who were not hanging around in that playoff race at all. The Raptors through all of it were the number two seed in the, in, in the East and, you know, on pace for close to 60 wins. So really, really impressive stuff. It, it was a, a, an absolute joy to watch this team, like even more so than last season's regular season. I mean, the playoffs will never be matched, but, the regular season this year has just been so unbelievably fun. It's such a likable team and you just, it's so easy to root for them. And because of the lack of expectation and the chip on everybody's shoulder, it just made them just the most fun Raptors team of my lifetime. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, def, it's definitely, I, I feel like those underdog teams, like, yes, this is a team that's second in the East, but you know, they're, they're, they, they definitely don't feel like they're a team that should be second in the East. I don't think anyone expected them to, kind of defend their title this way. And, uh, you know, I think Kyle Lowry had a comment to the effect of like, y'all, like y'all writing us off, like we aren't the defending champs, you know, or something, <laughs> something to that effect. Um, and, and they're certainly playing like, it. obviously see Occam's taken such a huge step in his game uh, with, with the, you know, primary role or, 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 or a guy that, that is near and dear to magic hearts that, that, that's sarcasm. Uh, Serge Ibaka has had a, <laughs> a complete revival of a season. I mean, he's probably having his best season since he played with Orlando, I would say. And that was more, him playing in Orlando was more just getting more shot attempts and possessions. This is this feels like Serge Ibaka is back to Oklahoma City Serge Ibaka in some ways. Yeah, I mean, he's been the last two seasons now he's been playing center full time, which I think was like five or six years overdue, but it just could never work because he was with the Thunder next to Steven Adams and he was on the Magic next to 7,000 centers, right? And so it just it never yep. lined up for him. Next to, to, next to like five centers. Exactly, yeah. And he... You know, he didn't really get the chance to play center in his first year and a half with the Raptors either because Jonas Valanciunas was entrenched there as a starter. And then Nick Nurse came in and was like, well, we're going to just, you know, have a platoon. And sometimes Ibaka will start. Sometimes Valanciunas will start. They trade for Gasol and, you know, Ibaka gets relegated to the bench and he was totally fine with it. And he's been just like the thing about Ibaka, too. I mean, yes, this is his best season on the floor, maybe ever. I mean, he's shooting like 40% from three. He's just been so, so steady. And his 
I mean, his backline defense is great. It's not the same like four shots, four shots blocked a game like he was doing in his early days with the Thunder, but he's still been such a reliable back end defender. And his offense is like a security blanket for the team now. Like if ever the Raptors' offense it gets into a, sort of a bogged down mess, they'll run a, a Lowry, a Baca pick and pop, and it's money every single time from seventeen feet. It's just, it's just like their security blanket play, and Ibaka has done that. But even more so than that, I mean, the off court stuff from him has made him like this indispensable franchise icon now. I mean, he's doing cooking shows and fashion shows and he's bringing the team out of their shells. And right now during quarantine, he's like doing talent shows on his Instagram live and judging like he's Simon Cowell. He's, he's just been an absolute treat. And he's gotten to the point now where I'm like not even worried about the future. I know the Raptors have a lot of big plans for the summer of 2021, whether it's Giannis or some other big fish they're going to try to lure I, I don't even care about that. Just sign Serge Ibaka for the next four years, and I will be happy because he's such a delight. And I never would have expected feeling this way about Serge Ibaka when they traded for him from the Magic, especially you know considering how things went in Orlando, how it didn't really seem like the best time. And then even his first year and a half with Toronto wasn't always great. He was kind of frosty with the media. He was really bad in the 2018 playoffs, and it seemed like that maybe was going to be the death knell for his career. But instead, he's completely embraced a, a turned-around role playing center full-time, and he's been wonderful and is a huge reason why they've been able to get by without Marcus Gasol for a ton of games this season. He's missed two stretches of extended time, and, and having a Baca out there has just it made it so they're never skipping a beat. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's just, it feels like this Toronto team, like every piece sort of fits together really, really well. And, and, and obviously when you kind of create that kind of chemistry and that magic, I mean, it, it, it almost feels like the 2009 magic where everything just, just works. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens when they, when they get into the playoffs, when, excuse me, when the playoffs eventually do happen. Um, but I do want to kind of take back and, and focus on this matchup specifically. Um, the magic, you know, entered the hiatus in eighth place in the East, but only a half game back of, of Brooklyn. So a, a real chance that we could, you know, whenever the playoffs actually do happen. Very real chance that we could see the Raptors and Magic play each other uh, once again in the playoffs. Um, the schedule for Orlando-Toronto was very weird this year. They played each other three times before uh, three times before Thanksgiving, I think, or the Magic played the Raptors uh, the day after Thanksgiving in Orlando, and then they were supposed to play the final game of the season. So it, it, it almost doesn't feel like I should ask this question because so much has changed for both teams since then. But thinking back to those early November those early November matchups, what were your impressions of the Magic, or what are your impressions now of the Magic as as a potential playoff opponent? Well, I guess a lot of it is tied to Jonathan Isaac, right, and like where he would have been at in terms of his recovery and his health going into a potential playoff series, because. He, frankly, is like the only guy in the Magic that really scares me. He's like an excellent defender. He's done a pretty good job on Pascal Siakam in the past, although less so, I think, this season. And even in the playoffs, I think Pascal kind of got his a little bit. But, um, you know, if he's healthy, they're interesting. If he's not, then I just I don't really think it would have been much of a series between these Raptors. Because I, I just kind of think this Magic team 
is like a slightly lesser version of what they were last year. They were on such a high going into the playoffs last season. Their defense was, what, number two in the league over the second half. Um, and, and they just really seemed to be clicking. And, and so there was, like, I think a legit amount of fear there that they could at least be a tough out. Whether it was, you know, a, an actual threat to upset the Raptors, I don't think I don't think so. But, like, there was a reason to, you know, be mindful of the Magic for sure. This season, like, I don't know. I, I was a little bit less worried about that kind of matchup. I was kind of, I mean, I was mostly just rooting for a Raptors-Nets series because that would be just kind of fun with the Raptors and Nets playoff history going back to 2014. And it'd be kind of a different look. I don't like seeing the same team every single year. Uh, but, like, objectively, I also would rather see the Nets because I think the Nets are a worse team than the Magic. So I don't think the Magic were, like, a bad team by any means. But I, I just think without Jonathan Isaac being fully 100% operational, they become a little bit less scary to me. And I, I think the Raptors defensively have been so good this season that uh, I think they, you know, whether it's Evan Fournier or Nikola Vucevic or Markel Fultz or whoever they're running their offense through on a given night, I think the Raptors kind of had the horses to stick with them, especially considering OG Ananobi, who did not play in the playoffs last season at all, has been borderline all defense this season, if not, uh, you know, a legit all defense, all defense caliber player. And I think throwing him into the mix to guard whoever they needed to guard on the, on a given night, whether it was Fournier or Fultz or whoever, I think that uh, would have given the Raptors a pretty significant chip to throw into the ring that they didn't have last season. Um, so, you know, even without Kawhi, I, I think the Raptors still should have been pretty heavily favored in a potential Magic series, but convince me otherwise. Uh, you know, I, unfortunately, I, I don't think I can. Um, you know, I would, I would agree. I think any chance the Magic have of, competing in this series is dependent on Jonathan Isaac. Um, you know, they played a couple of, they played a really close game uh, in, like in the first week of the season where Isaac had 24 points, you know, made five three pointers. That was a really, you know, super, you know, a, a really good match matchup for or a really good game for Orlando. It was a career night for Isaac and, and Orlando had to kind of scramble to get back in the game. It felt very much like those playoff games where the Raptors kind of established their will in the second and third quarters, and Orlando made a little bit of a push, made things interesting before the Raptors made plays at the end. Um, you know, I, I think going back even to last year, a big thing that happened in the playoffs in, in games three and four, um, Isaac got into foul trouble. And, and and I think Siakam took over game three because the Magic went with Ross at the end of the game to to have his offense and a shooting, and Siakam just ate, Ross, ate Terrence Ross's lunch. Uh, he just didn't have mm-hmm. the size to match up. Uh, and game four, Isaac was in foul trouble, and I think that helped the Raptors really, you know, establish their dominance in game four uh, and take control of that series. And so I, I think that it's really, 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 you know, important if the Magic want any chance of of even getting a game, honestly, in the series, that Isaac is there, that that they they need Jonathan Isaac because of his versatility and his size to to, match, to even just slow down Siakam. I mean, Siakam will still get his, and he'll still put up points. Uh, the Magic just, they're just, they're, I agree with you. They're, they're not the same team as they were last year. Um, I don't know if it's just a lack of urgency or, or you know, kind of, you know, they're good enough that they have the kind of the institutional knowledge of how to make the playoffs, but they're not quite good enough to kind of make those plays to, to kind of get to the next level, to, to, you know, win and really compete in a playoff series. And then, of course, that's a big question, I think, coming up for the, for the offseason. Um, but you- a playoff ma- matchup with Toronto. Sorry, I just didn't want to cut you off there, Phil. I was just wondering, like, so did, did you, with this Magic team this year, did you expect, like, a step forward? And I know the Isaac injury hurts, like, the uh, the, the, the possibility that was going to happen, obviously. But 
I, I, I'm curious, like, what you thought about this group because I'm just looking at the roster. I'm looking at sort of the the overall numbers and things like that. It kind of feels a little stale to me. And like, I know Fournier was really good, and you know, Terrence Ross. We know my love for him, six man always. I love him, um, <laughs> but like. It just and like Vucevic was good, but maybe not quite as overwhelmingly good as last season. Did it feel like it got a little bit stale this year? Like the like formula that made them so good last year just kind of ran its course a little bit. So I, I think I think you know the Magic entered last off season with with both Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross as free agents, and, right. and I think you know having been out of the playoffs for six years, I think the Magic organizationally, and, and I mean I think this is just something that that Jeff Weltman picked up, and, and I think he did in Toronto. Yeah. a little bit too, or, the, or Masai Ujiri did in Toronto. They really, be, I think they really believe that young players develop best in winning environments. Like, right. I think that they, you know, want to bring, bring like Jonathan Isaac and Chumo Kiki and, and all their young guys along the same way that the Raptors brought on Pascal Siakam, the same way they brought on Norman Powell and OG Ananobi, where they're playing kind of small roles, maybe on the back end of the rotation. And slowly they grow into a point where they're confident enough to play like those guys have played this year when they're needed. Um, and so I think I think that's some of the philosophy. And so I think the Magic entered the offseason thinking, you know, we've got this, we've still got this pretty young team. Like Aaron Gordon, I know we've just paid him, but he's 24. Isaac's 21, just played his first full season in the NBA. Um, you know, we got this Markel Fultz kid that we don't know a lot about. And, and, and Fultz looks like he's someone that they want to keep around. Um, I think they kind of went into it saying, you know, if, if our young guys grow the way we expect them to grow, you know, Maybe we could sneak into a conversation to be like a four or five seed. I think realistically, the Magic expected to be a six or seven seed again. And really what this year was about was confirming that last year wasn't a fluke mm-hmm. and that they are a kind of playoff caliber team. You know, again, on a small scale, we're not talking about competing for anything real, just baking the playoffs again. And, and I think that was ultimately part of the team's goal. And the hope would be then, that, you know, Jonathan Isaac develops and looks like he could be a future star. And, you know, I think Isaac this year kind of showed that he is a potential all-defensive team player. I think I think if he would have played the whole season, we'd be talking about him kind of the outskirts of the all-defensive of the defensive player of the year vote, and certainly as an all-defensive team caliber player. I mean, he was leading the league in stocks. I think he was second in blocks. Like he was doing some incredible things uh from his position. Uh, on defense and 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 the numbers I think were there to back it up that that he was one of the better defenders through the first you know quarter and a half of the season, um, but obviously that was kind of put on hold because of the injury. I think the biggest thing that they expected that didn't happen and, and we started seeing it happen in the last ten games before the hiatus or the ten games after the All Star break. Aaron Gordon just needed to take a step up. Uh, I think especially coming out of the playoffs, you know, Aaron Gordon had that great third quarter in Game Four where he kind of went toe to toe with Kawhi Leonard on both ends and, and held his own for a little while. He was a leading scorer for the Magic uh, uh, in that series. I think they really thought that Aaron Gordon was going to take a, a little bit of a leap and, you know, maybe not be the team's all, maybe not be an all star, but be sort of the team's candidate to be an all star this year. And that didn't happen. And so, yes, the team got a little stale. Um, I, I think they, they stagnated a little bit. But like I said, I feel like last year gave them the institutional knowledge of how to make the playoffs. And, and if they didn't have the playoff experience that they got last year or the experience of making the playoffs that they got last year, I think this season would have been a would have been another disastrous kind of lost season. They would have, you know, won 20 some odd games instead of, you know, 38, 39 games. I mean, I I had them maybe winning 42 again, maybe a little bit less. I, I was I thought there was a potential for them to take a step back, but they would be taking a step back because Gordon would be coming to the front and, and playing 
uh, and playing more as the central guy that would free up, free them up the ability to maybe trade a Nikola Vucevic or trade a Evan Fournier or trade one of the veteran guys to bring in the guy to really help help free things up. And now instead, it kind of looks like to free up Isaac, the Magic are going to have to trade Gordon at some point this summer to, to kind of get that guy to help them get to the next step or the next level, which is a hard thing to do. I, I think the Magic right. are in a really interesting and tricky spot. Yeah, that that, that makes a lot of sense. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I want to see them figure it out. I want to see Fultz be better and sort of get the runway to become better. I think it was nice to see him, you know, look like an NBA player for sure this season. And I, I think there's certainly more to work with there. He's so young still. Um, I'm rooting for them. Jeff Weldman, Terrence Ross, a lot of old Raptors around in, the, in Orlando. I, I'm rooting for, their, for them to sort of get on the track of growth as opposed to stagnation. Yeah, and and I you know like kind of on that point, you know, one of the reasons why I like talking to you is 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 I really do think the Magic are trying to follow a very similar re- kind of building plan that the Raptors had in, in in some ways. Um, you know, I think that they I think they 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 value winning. I know there was a point where the Raptors thought about tanking uh, and, and kind of kind of going all in on the draft, but you know when they made the deal to get better, they embraced it. You know, they didn't they didn't resent it, and they kind of found a way to build with with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan and made it work. And obviously kind of, you know, I wouldn't say scuttled, but they stayed kind of in that middle pack of the Eastern conference until the oppor- until the right opportunity came around for them to take that big step. And they drafted smart, which, is, which, you know, obviously kind of in a non marquee market, you have to draft smart. You have to hit on your draft picks. And, you know, you look at the way Toronto's drafted. I, I mean, I think, I think they are in the position they're in today because of, the great drafting that they've had over the last few years where they've, they've picked up guys like OG Ananobi, Norman Powell, Pascal Siakam. They had the patience to let them develop. They put them in a winning environment and they had fantastic coaching, whether it was Dwayne Casey or Nick Nurse, who's you know been a revelation this year, um, it, which he should have been a revelation last year when he won, won the championship. But um, but the Raptors just have this, this strong kind of institu- institutional knowledge and organizational structure that I think really helps young players grow. And, and I feel... You know, yes, Jeff Wolman comes from the Raptors tree. I, I feel like he's trying to build something very, very similar in Orlando. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's nice. It's weird, again, as a Raptors fan who has been through a, a lot of dark times. It's weird now that the team is like this sort of, you know, this sort of thing that lots of people want to, you know, model themselves i can't get words out of my mouth right now model themselves after um but yeah it makes sense considering jeff weltman and his ties to Masai ujiri and just the success the raptors have had doing what they've done i'm not surprised that weltman came in and you know wasn't uh, you know all right let's quickly just get rid of everybody on hand and blow it up let's take some time let's see how it works here and that's what happened with the raptors they they took time they said all right let's you know get rid of this extra piece in rudy gay Let's see if we can make this thing work with Kyle and DeMar. And it worked to the greatest possible heights that it could possibly reach with DeMar DeRozan as the team's second best player. And they, they, they exhausted that for what it was worth. And, and, you know, then they moved from there and had built up enough sort of, you know, stock of, of draft picks and youth and, you know, just DeMar being a good enough player by that point to make a trade like they did for Kawhi. 
And so I, I mean, I'm very anti-tank. And so I know lots of people for the last few years have said, oh, the Magic just got to restart and blow it all up and go from the beginning again. And I, I think, you know, that there's ways if you're smart to build from the middle. And the Raptors are a prime example of this. And hey, it's hard to do. For sure, you have to get things right. You can't be wasting your resources on, you know, contracts that aren't worth it. You know, the, the Raptors even got themselves into some trouble with like Damari Carroll and, and making some ill-advised moves. But for the most part, they've been really smart. They've, you know, they, they ported draft picks. They've traded draft picks when it's been necessary, like in the Terrence Ross for Serge Ibaka deal, a deal that ended up working out extremely well for Toronto. As much as I love Terrence Ross, Ibaka has been incredible. And, and so I, I think, yeah, the, the Raptors are certainly the kind of organization you want to model your model yourself after. And maybe Weltman doesn't like the word culture, but that's very much a thing. Like this is the Raptors talked about culture with Dwayne Casey for a very long time. He built a culture of winning. And I think that carries over now. And Nick nurse is, is imbued with it. And the whole team is. And I, I think certainly any team that wants to be, you know, any team that is sort of like a small market team that doesn't necessarily have a traditional, you know, go out on the free agent market and sign a guy path to success. The Raptors are the team now that you follow because they did it. They did it. This was a team that should never have won a title. They were completely lost in the woods. They were this outpost that nobody cared about. No one wanted to sign there. And they found a way to do it in an unorthodox way. And I think that's something that can be, you know, mirrored and, and sort of copycatted a little bit by the magic for sure. Yeah, and 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 you know, I, I I'm I'm sure Toronto may have been at this point. You know, I think you know Low- they got Lowry when he was still kind of in the middle of his career, I guess. But you know, I, I've kind of come to to believe, and, I, and I'd be curious what you think about this. That that Orlando is sort of in the in the middle too, as far as their kind of age group as well. They're they're you know too young to really give up on. I, I feel like because like Aaron Gordon's 24, like. As yeah. long as he's showing flashes and looks like he's still improving, like I feel like he still has value and he can still be a good player. Jonathan Isaac's 22. Markel Fultz is 21. You got Mo Bamba you're trying to kind of bring along slowly and develop off the bench. He's 21. They're so young, but if you kind of put them on a playoff timeline, you know, you look at them this year and they've stagnated and, and you kind of feel like, you know, they should be a little further along. And so they're almost like, they're, 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 they're you know, if, if we kind of look at it, from the, from the big picture of, you know, you're in the playoffs, you need to go from seven to four five and, and start competing, you know, fairly quickly within a year or two, then yeah, the Magic might be a little bit behind. But if you look at it as they're in year three with Jeff Weltman in charge, I, I feel like they're still a little ahead of the game. And I think some of some of it all is this this idea that you have if you're not competing for championships, you know, you, you need to be resetting the whole thing. And, and I don't think that's true. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think the Magic are as susceptible as any team in the league or certainly among the playoff caliber teams. They're susceptible to kind of a disaster season where just injuries happen, everything goes wrong, and they end. They just happen to end up with a top pick. And maybe that's how they end up with their guys, just kind of a happy accident season, sort of like when Milwaukee got Jabari Parker, and they, or at least at the time they thought they were getting a star to, to mm-hmm. pair with, you know, whatever they had. They didn't, I don't think they really knew what they had in Giannis Antetokounmpo yet. Um, but I, I feel like Orlando needs patience as much as anything else. And, and I think that's something Toronto showed. Like they, they understood when it was time to take the chance to take the risk, but their patience led them to slowly climb the ladder uh, to get to a point where they were the best team in franchise history and, and on the best run in franchise history. And they didn't devalue that just because maybe the championship had eluded them for, for a little while. Yeah, I will say the Magic roster 
it does kind of remind me of those early Raptors like Messiah era teams, not in like the, the construction necessarily, because there were different sort of strengths and stuff, but it does feel cluttered and it feels like yeah. uh, maybe this is going to get me punched by magic fans, but it, it won't I, trust me. <laughs> I kind of feel like Vucevic is the magic's Rudy gay a little bit. Very good player, like certainly useful. But if you just traded Vucevic for some stuff, not even necessarily good stuff, but like John Solomon's and Patrick Patterson and Grievous Vasquez level stuff, I feel like you could kind of redisperse the guys around the roster. Just play Jonathan Isaac as the center he's supposed to be next to Aaron Gordon at the four. Slide in a three who can shoot. Hopefully Fultz takes another step. And like, if he doesn't, then that's a whole other problem you have to address. But like, I really feel like Vooch as good as he is. I think we kind of saw in the playoffs last year that like, there's sort of a limit to what he's going to be able to offer you as a number one in the postseason. And I feel like if you were to just offload him, which might be hard because of the money he's making now after just signing. But if you could offload that contract and just fill in the, like that money with just guys who you know offer one or two certain skills, the roster might make a little bit more sense. It might be a little bit more balanced, and it might be a little bit more modern because it does feel kind of stuck in the past a little bit as they run everything through Vooch, as good as he is and as much as he can space things around. I don't think he's quite like the transcendent level big, like a Jokic, for example, that you could actually argue like, yeah, we can build our team from the inside out with this guy. He's not quite that good. Same as Rudy Gay wasn't quite like the elite wing that you want to start your team with and moving him for, you know, what was at the time just kind of flotsam and ended up becoming some pretty useful guys, mostly Patterson for for the long haul. But, um, you know, that deal just kind of cleared the way a little bit. And I think a similar effect could be seen if Vooch were to be dealt. Uh, you've just become the fan of a lot of a lot of Magic fans. Uh, I, I would say. I mean, I I think I I do think there's something to it. They have a lot of guys right now that that need the ball. Like Evan Fournier, uh, I would say honestly, the guy that I think a lot of Magic fans are kind of eager to move on from is is Evan Fournier, just because you right. know Magic talked all year, as as every team every team does at the beginning of the year, talked all year about picking up picking up their pace and playing at a faster pace, and they came out and played at like the second slowest pace in the league in terms of possessions for 48 minutes. But they're also very slow kind of working through their offense. And, you know, I, I think the one thing that I think a lot of Magic fans, the one thing that I think the Magic need to do more of and it just may be impossible to do midseason is give Markel Fultz the ball more. Just let him kind of create and and play and freelance a little bit. And, and he's essentially a rookie, so it's hard to trust him completely. I get where Steve Clifford comes from. But Evan Fournier is a guy that he tends to get the ball and wait a beat. He wants to set up the screen. He wants to kind of – he doesn't want to attack like kind of immediately off the dribble – and so while I think he can play at a faster pace, when you put him on the ball, he doesn't like to play. He likes to kind of sit and, and, and observe and, and break, down the, break down the defense using a screen or however he can. He's not someone that's just going to kind of attack, you know, almost immediately. That's not just kind of his mindset. And Booch is sort of the same way, just not a kind of quick, you know, quick movement guy. He's a kind of thinker out there. And for a team that has a guy like Aaron Gordon, who I think thrives much more in a faster pace system, or Jonathan Isaac, who thrives in a faster pace system, yeah, I agree. I think that that is, I don't think it's like the thing, but I think it is a thing. And it is something that the, that the magic have to kind of figure out, um, you know, you know, kind of on that same, same, same road. The, the, this is kind of the big decision is, is how do the magic kind of even out this roster? And, and one thing that is certainly being considered because Aaron Gordon is the most tradable asset on the team is figure out what you can get for Aaron Gordon. And, Orlando needs more shooting. I, I don't think that's a secret. Um, you know, I think, you know, if they played a playoff series against the Raptors, 
uh, the Raptors would do exactly what they did last year and dare DJ Augs, dare everyone to shoot. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. one of the big things that happened in last year's playoff series is they realized Evan Fournier wasn't hitting shots and they dared him to shoot. And and they bet, you know, I think in game three, especially they bet that Evan Fournier wasn't going to be able to hit shots so they could congest the paint and keep everyone out of the, out of the paint. And it worked. And and Evan Fournier couldn't hit shots that game. And that was the reason why the magic, I mean, not the reason, but it was a reason the magic lost game three and Fournier, I think shot sub 30 in that playoff series from three that, that was a good bet by Toronto that Orlando just didn't have enough shooting to loosen things up on the inside. And that's kind of how teams play Orlando now. And I think that's how teams will play Orlando uh, when they get to the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just let my prince, Terrence Ross, take all the shots. You can't oh, he go can, wrong he gets, there. <laughs> he gets all the shots he wants. And especially after the All-Star break when he's shooting like 52% from three. Like, oh. I mean, the Magic, like, after the All-Star break, you know, the Magic kind of started picking up the pace. Like Orlando was not a team that wanted to see this hiatus because they were they were playing some incredible basketball. They had just won three out of four on a on a on a road trip. They lost at Miami. It had a three to tie that game and sent it to overtime. They beat Minnesota handily. They beat Houston on the road. You know, again, that Houston team was kind of figuring things out without a center. Uh, and then they came back from 17 down against Memphis on the road to to kind of close that out. They had the top offense in the league since the all-star break. And, you know, it was a nice little spurt that Orlando had offensively. It was kind of proof that they could make three, make shots. But, you know, are you expecting Michael Carter-Williams to shoot 50% or 45% from three for a playoff <laughs> series? Probably not. Um, but, you know, I, I think you're right that, you know, Orlando does have some duplication and, and, and you know, honestly, some usage rate issues where there's just too many guys who need the ball to be successful that, that you know, don't quite have a playmaker you know, maybe it can be Marco Fultz with, with an offseason of development, but don't quite have a playmaker to make everything work. Yeah, for sure. So uh, to, to close things out then, Magic, if the Magic face the Raptors in, in the playoffs this year, prediction. Well, who, 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 how, many, how many of the Raptors, let's be real, how many of the Raptors are going to win this series then? Uh, I'd say probably Raptors in five. I'd be tempted to take another Raptors game one loss, although I kind of think they're beyond that now. They seem to have matured, and I think a lot of the sort of demons of the Raptors past are gone. That I say that, and then they would lose game one anyway. Um, but no, I think Raptors in five. It's, I think the Raptors tradition. were really yeah. It, it totally is. It almost feel it almost feel like gross if they didn't lose the first game of the playoffs. <laughs> but um, they uh, yeah no, I, I think they were pretty well coached and well conditioned and i think they had eyes on pretty big uh pretty big ambitions in the postseason and i i I don't think the magic would have been much of a roadblock especially like we said if isaac wasn't healthy or even 100 percent, i just don't think they had the juice defensively and again you mentioned the offense i think the raptors defense would have just been pretty smothering as good as the magic had been before the pause in the before times uh, <laughs> i think the the raptors defense has been so smothering this season against everybody and i, I think they would have figured some solutions out pretty easily against the magic so now yeah i think I, in five i i think i honestly think aside from the bucks you know which which you know is is milwaukee um I think the Raptors are about as bad of a matchup for the Magic this year that that they could have. Um, I, I think the, I mean, if, if Orlando goes into the playoffs having you know won a bunch of games to to get to seventh and playing really really well and Jonathan Isaac's back, I could see them taking a game and probably game three again because I know 
I know the Magic players especially were really disappointed they didn't get one of those two games in Orlando. So I feel like there's a little bit of unfinished business there. They really wanted to win one of those two games in Orlando last year. Um, but if Isaac's not back, if you know, if if the Magic are just kind of playing 500 ball, you know, their defense certainly isn't on. The defense has been inconsistent this year, even though they're tenth in the in the league in defensive rating. I, I think the Raptors sweep them. Uh, I think the Raptors have all the matchup advantages. Marcus Sol and Serge Ibaka, for that matter, you know, really know how to lock down Nikola Vucevic one on one. I think Orlando just doesn't have the shooting to to withstand them. And and I think Toronto is just is really really good. I mean, maybe they're not as good as they were last year, but the chemistry is just at another level than it was at this time last year. And I think Toronto, you know, honestly, whoever they play in that seven spot, you know, maybe, maybe Brooklyn, cause they have Dinwiddie who can be a little bit more of a playmaker can get them a game. But I feel like Toronto is, is going to be able to get out of the first round pretty unscathed. Yeah. I think we're in agreement there. Uh, just if, if, if this was last year's magic team, I'd have a little bit more pause. It's just, they don't feel quite as dangerous. I don't think. I, I, I think I think you're right, and I think that's honestly I think that's been the case all year. I think a first time a first time team making the playoffs, they just they haven't been able to reach reach into that reserve of desperation to make the postseason that they had last year. And and I think I, I think that's honestly I think that's part of the maturation process for a young team. I think it's understanding how to manage a season, but also learning how to play with a little bit more urgency. Um, but and certainly I don't think it's helped that. No one in the East is really, it's been, no one's in the East is really challenging them for that playoff spot. You know, like I, I think, you know, it, depending on how many games they play when they come back, you know, Washington's four and a half back. I, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone in Orlando feels threatened that the Wizards can catch them with, with however yeah. much time they have remaining. Even if they gave them the full 17 games, I don't think there's much confidence that the Wizards could catch them. No, I mean, a pretty depressing race for the final seat there. Uh, oh, the God, Magic were definitely better than... The Wizards. I think there's a chance they could have caught the Nets because the Nets, you know, without Kyrie and stuff and with their coaching change and whatnot, I don't trust them and I think they're kind of bad. So uh, I think they're kind of bad with Kyrie anyway, but that's just my anti-Kyrie bias showing through. But no, I I think there's a pretty reasonable chance we would have seen the Magic at the seventh seed. And as much as I don't like repeat matchups, it would have been, I think, probably more entertaining series than Raptors-Nets. I think that would have been a very quick four-gamer. Um, but at least the Magic have like a little bit of interesting juice, and and if Isaac were around, that would be uh, nice. And I, also, it would have been nice to watch Markel Fultz because he's uh, cool and fun and a, and a nice story. Yeah, for sure. And and of course, this is you know not to not to anger any of my Boston friends. Um, this is this is all assuming Toronto holds on to the two seed. I, I've seen I've seen some simulations. They that, would have. That go, I think I think they <laughs> would have too. That's why I reached out to you first. Um, but uh, but. But uh, I, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to tempt the face. I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want the Raptors <laughs> fans coming to me saying, oh, it's because of you that we're having to face the Sixers instead of the Magic in the first round. And, and I th- or the Pacers instead of the Ma- and Magic in the first round. And uh, depending on where Victor Oladipo is at, that, that's probably an appreciable difference. Although I don't think the Pacers are that great either. Um, See, the Sixers, but- I think, are terrified of the Raptors. And I don't think the Raptors are scared of the Sixers at all. So as much as that, like would seem like oh, a potential Raptors, six the over Sixers, three upset, but the Sixers are the Sixers uh, frightened can't of win Mark Gasol. <laughs> the Sixers can't win a road game to save their lives. Also that, it's, yeah. It's it's kind of hilarious. Yeah, I just... I, I mean, the Magic... As as, I picked the, the Sixers Magic to have, win the title, and I couldn't get behind like them after seeing them play together. They're, they're a they nightmare. just... I, I, I thought, I mean, 
not to not to sidetrack too much. I, I really thought losing JJ Redick was really going to hurt them, and their lack mm. of shooting has very clearly been an issue. <laughs> As it turns out, shooting is important. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you'd hardly know if you watched the Magic. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> with that, with that, dig in, uh, Sean. Uh, t- tell everyone where where they can find find you. Yeah, you can find me at uh, Woodley Sean on Twitter. You can find my writing sometimes at Raptors HQ. Although I've been a little bit quiet since the since the pause. If you want to go back, I actually was the feature writer of the month for Raptors.com last month. Wrote some fun pieces over there, uh, kind of evergreen stuff. If you want to go check that out as well, Raptors.com. So uh, that's all the places you can find me. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's always it's always good to talk to you, Sean. I, I, I always I always enjoy talk, talking to you. I'm, you know, I'm 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 cheering on the Raptors too. I think that they're you know, I, I know you probably hate hearing this again. It's I definitely think that they're a model for for teams like Orlando and and certainly a, a really great story in the NBA. I, I don't think people appreciate the uh, people necessarily appreciate the full story of, of of the Raptors and how they they've kind of built themselves into into a really good juggernaut in the Eastern Conference now through really kind of three iterations with DeRozan, Kawhi, and, and now Siakam as as the lead guys. Um, so definitely fun to talk to you, and hopefully we'll do this again in a couple months. My thanks to Sean Woodley for joining the podcast to discuss the Magic and the Raptors, uh, how the Raptors have kind of kept themselves as one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, the likely two seed in the Eastern Conference. And and yes, I'm not tempting the fates either. I did reach out to Locked On Bucks, and hopefully we'll we'll chat with them about a potential Magic Bucks series, just like hopefully we'll chat about a potential Magic Celtics series as we try to dive into the current Orlando Magic just a little bit more here as we're as we're waiting for the season to get itself started. So again, my thanks to Sean Woodley for jumping on the podcast and discussing the Toronto Raptors with us and what a potential Magic Raptors series would look like. As I said at the end of there, hopefully we're doing it again in a couple of months as, as the NBA season hopefully does come back and gets a conclusion of some sort. Um, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at R underscore MD. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Don't forget to check out some of the other great podcasts on the Locked on Podcast Network, including Rejecting the Screen with Adam Stenko and Noah Kozlov. On the latest episode, they discuss episode one and two of The Last Dance, and what is coming up next as the Dennis Rodman episode is coming up in episode number three on Sunday. There's already a trailer out, and it is hilarious. Hope everyone enjoyed The Last Dance. I do have some thoughts on The Last Dance and how it relates to Orlando Magic and their current predicament over on orlandomagicdaily.com. Follow me on Twitter there, at omagicdaily. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today.